0: Welcome to Coffee and Honeycomb, the podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Park, and today's episode, we have Hannah Brencher. Hannah is a writer and a speaker. She has been on the TED Talk stage, written two books, and has even been featured on Oprah, The Wall Street Journal, and dozens of other publications. I'm thrilled to have her in today's episode, and this is actually the kind of conversation that inspired me to start a podcast. Whenever I would have an awesome coffee date with someone, there were so many times when I wished I could have bottled it up, recorded it, and shared it with a friend, and I'm so glad that we recorded this one today. Today, Hannah talks about her newest book, Come Matter Here, gives us a behind the scenes look into her writing process, and she also talks about anxiety, depression, social media, digging into scripture, and the meat of the conversation is about the importance of building your character and a firm foundation, not a following, not a platform, not a brand. Hannah gets really honest and vulnerable with us today, and I appreciate her wisdom in that success and fame in this world will never satisfy us. You guys have to listen to this one and then message me after so you, we can keep talking about it and tell me what you think. So without further ado, grab your cup of coffee and let's get started. Welcome to the podcast, Hannah.
1: Thank you for having me. I've been so excited.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you said you made coffee. Do you make your coffee usually at home?
1: Oh, so Lane makes my coffee every morning, which is the mark of a good husband, but I um, yeah, sure. But I so then like it took me an extra 10 minutes to make it because I was like, I don't know how to make coffee. And so I'm tasting it right now. It tastes okay. It's definitely I was like googling like how do you
0: make coffee in a coffee? How do you make it? Oh coffee maker. Okay.
1: Yeah. So we have like a Chemex, we have all these things, but sometimes I don't know. I just I want it to be simple. Turns out it's
0: not. Um, so I couldn't get a hold of
1: him. So I just had to like wing it.
0: Yeah, we have a Chemex, a Keurig, and a pour over, but I always go out for my coffee. So Eugene's always like, why do we have this if you're not going to yes. use it and make your own <laughs> you Did
1: you tell all of these things on your wedding registry and then?
0: Oh, yes. Like a cake stand, a salad bowl. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, Did you tell Lane he can't be home during this? Did we have to kick him out? Or was he already? No, out of he house?
1: He's at work right now. Okay. So he's probably going to be like all of the G messages and like text messages. I sent him being like,
0: help, I need coffee. I don't know how to do this. The other thing that I wanted to talk to you about that is not super related to everything else we'll talk about is you're a big brother fan. I'm a huge big brother fan. Okay. Like, so I have never girl. seen a full episode. Girl. What, girl what I do I. is on YouTube. They had, I like, don't know how I started getting into it. Cause I've never watched the show before. Uh-huh. But starting with last season of like Paul and Jess, Cody and all that. Yes, them. Yes. Saw all the clips. And then they show like all the all-stars. So like Dr. Will, I would watch three hour videos of all the best scenes of like Dr. Will and Mike and like all these people. Did you watch all those older seasons?
1: Yes. But why, why would you watch the best of you should just go on CBS and start watching the seasons. I should, it's addicting. It's, it's very addicting. And so it is, I'm thankful that it's only on during the summer because it's three nights a week. And, um, but like, I love it. I think especially because like Lane got super into it with me, like since last season, he's been like way into it with me. And like, I don't know. It just feels like something you can do together. I mean, there's plenty of things to do together, but there's just something about like, I personally, I think anybody that spends a little bit of time with me knows that I love reality TV. Um, (laughs) It's just, I can't help it. I'm fascinated with humans and I love to watch humans live, which sounds so weird, but like, for sure, my my top shows are like big brother, the bachelor (gasps) and (gasps) and catfish. Like, um, and so I don't know. I, I, love that. It's something that we share together, but then I also find it so cool when you like see, or you find a big brother fan, like unexpectedly, and then you get to have this conversation you wouldn't have had otherwise,
0: totally. you know, like it you brings and Lane people talk together. About what your strategies would be if you were in the house. We actually, we haven't
1: like, always think about that. huh? I would have to think about that. Like, I definitely feel like I'm somebody who like leads with a lot of integrity. So it would mm-hmm. really be hard for me to play the game like without like feeling like, oh, even though this is a game, I feel like I'm lying to you, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we haven't,
0: we haven't done that yet. So that's always fun to think about. I always think about like, would I purposely try to lose games in the beginning? So I wouldn't be too big of a threat. Like, you know, yes. you got to kind of lay low in the beginning.
1: I know and there are a lot of people this season that are like they're very you can tell they're very strategic like Uh if you're going to watch a season I would tell you to skip last season because it was like by far the weirdest season I've ever seen where it felt like one person was controlling the whole entire game.
0: Was that the one with Jess and Cody and Elena? Mm -hmm. Okay yeah it was weird because like there
1: was all these romances, so it felt like no one was playing. But then at the same time, there was one person, Paul, who was just kind of in control of everyone. Yeah. And everybody just blindly believed him. So it kind of didn't make it for an interesting game because he kind of told us what was going to
0: happen. And people felt mean in that one. Are they usually that mean? Well, I mean, you if you saw this season, you'd be like, "Whoa, oh like, yeah,
1: people are flying off the handle, like it's intense, okay. like, but see. I don't think, yeah, I think that some of the commentary, like a lot of the commentary was mean last season, yeah um, I haven't seen as much of that, like this season, people are just like really blunt and upfront with one another, so. Okay. I highly recommend it. I okay, mean. I
0: will. <laughs> well, we have Hannah Brencher here. I'm so excited. I've been a fan since like 2011 is when I probably first started reading awesome. your blogs. Way at the, that was like the beginning. Oh, way back. And then I yeah. even started Campus Cursive at U of I because of More Love Letters, which is the company you founded. Amazing. And then... Um, met you a couple years ago in Georgia in person, which was like a dream come true. And now that was so fun, that was really fun, it was really impactful. And now you're here. So, for those who may not know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah,
1: so my name is Hannah, um, and I am a writer, an author, a speaker. I do a lot of things on a daily basis, but I would say primarily everything that I do is rooted in words. I have a passion for the written word. And, um, that is like definitely the thing I invest in the most is like being a writer. So I've written two books. My first book, If You Find This Letter came out in 2015. And then my second book, Come Matter Here, just came out, um, in May of this year, uh, the end of May. And so, Yeah, I write books. I travel to conferences, churches, colleges, speaking. Um, And then I started a company called More Love Letters back in 2011, which is right when you found me. Um, And it is a global love letter writing company. So I'm still running the company today um, with a dedicated team. Um, And we basically, we use social media to send letters to people in need all over the world. So they're all handwritten letters. It's not done technologically, but we do use social media as kind of the driver for it. And then hundreds of letters show up for somebody on a day when they don't think they're going to get any mail. Like craziness, never anticipated this. If you had told me several years ago, this was going to be the plan, I would have thought that you were crazy, but (laughs) It's just been really good. God's been really sweet, and I've just been kind of following and challenging myself and going for it.
0: That's a lot of different things. So it's speaking, writing, more love letters. How do you manage all that? Do you do all that in one given week? Yes. hmm
1: um, so I'm very like, I am very disciplined and I am trying to be very systemized, especially this year. Um, so I'll break it up into different hour chunks. So one day, maybe more and more love letters focused. Another day will be just specifically a writing day where like literally the purpose of the day is to create content. Um, and so breaking it up into different days of the weeks actually makes it a lot less overwhelming. I think the only thing that gets tough is when speaking is in the mix. Like Um, it's harder to not get derailed by like travel and like going and spending time with people. But I also, am aware that that's like 50% of the work that I do. Um, and so I try my best to plan for it and be prepared for it. And yeah, just, uh, it's a lot of discipline
0: for sure. And I feel like that's both very left brain, right brain stuff, like writing and creativity and then running a business.
1: Yes, and I think I need both. If I was just to be left to be creative, I would always be in my head and it wouldn't be healthy. Yeah. Um and so I like that there is different things going on on any given day. Like today is a little bit of planning talks, it is shipping prints out from my shop. Um it's having this podcast interview, it's doing some finances and it's sending some emails. So it's like less of a content producing day. Yeah. But like, it's really healthy for me, especially as somebody who deals with depression mm-hmm. to get to use my left side of my brain and to really like use, like get that order and that logistical structure. Is yeah, just, sure. I need that.
0: So That sounds so fun. And it sounds like you have a good system. You mentioned Come Matter Here, which is your last book. And I have yes. it right here. Woo! It's so beaten up because I brought it with me to so many pools over the summer. But I love that. such a beautiful book. Would love to hear like, What made you want to tell this story and what was it like writing it?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, my first book that I wrote, if you find this letter, was a memoir. And I think I always kind of felt like, man, I'm like, I don't think I have, I don't have another memoir in me for like many more years. I always felt like I was too young to write a memoir. Like, oh yeah, I'm 25 and I'm writing about my life, you know? Um, and so when it came to come out of here, I wanted it to be a blend of storytelling because I think storytelling is my strength, but also like themes. And so the way that I structured the book is like all different themes for each one of the chapters. Um, And just, it is a loose chronological feel of picking up my life and moving to Georgia and really encountering God in a way that I learned, um, it's not about your expectations at the end of the day. If you're going to be a person of faith, like it's more about the transformation. So I found that I learned all these essential lessons from moving and transitioning and and even people that aren't moving physically, like you still go through these weird transitions when you're in adulthood. Um, And I, it was a lot of people that were like, yeah, like this needs to be the next book. Like you need to speak on this. You need Hmm. to- write about depression specifically. And it's just interesting for me because I think when the more love letter story happened, I thought that would be the most interesting story God would ever give me. And that was invigorating. But at the same time, I think it was a little bit like, it scared me a little bit to think, wow, like what if I've lived my best story at the age Mm. of 22, you know? Um, And so it's really cool to see that I feel like come matter here makes a bigger impact yeah Um, it's nothing against the first book that I wrote but when I wrote the first book that was all about love letters like the emails that would come back to me would be about like now I'm gonna start writing letters and now I'm gonna start leaving letters but what's been really cool about come matter here is like you get these emails from people that are like because of this book I I stepped back into church for the first time wow Or because of this book, like I was going to leave this city and I've decided to stay. And it's like mm-hmm. things that, that those are the kinds of books that I want to write, no matter what the subject matter is, like books that are going to propel you towards change and propel you towards living a better life. And yeah. so Come Out Here was the first jaunt, I think, into writing the kinds of books that I really want to write.
0: Wow. In the foreword too from Jess, she said something that would made a really impression. She was like, Hannah, you said tell stories. And now she preaches. She yeah. Oh yeah, she testifies. That's so powerful. For yeah. anyone who didn't read the book, can you kind of give a little synopsis? You mentioned it's about your journey moving to Georgia.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, I definitely always say to you though, like even though that's the least chronological feel, like I don't want anyone to think that it's like a book just about like me and moving to a new city. I'm not yeah. that interesting. So it can't <laughs> possibly just be about me. Um, really, I... To describe the book I go off as the subtitle really the subtitle is your invitation to be here and getting there world and I think that sums up the book perfectly that especially as young people primarily my demographic of 20s and 30s um, it's so hard to just be here in this moment social media pulls us away from the moment our five-year plans pull us away from the moment we're always looking to get there wherever there is and every one of us has a different destination in our head and I think what I had to to learn and the vehicle in which I learned it was depression is that like I had to stop waiting for my life to start. My life had already started. I just needed to look around, learn to be where my feet are and learn to invest right where I was and trust that that's what God had for me in this moment. I think we all want these like big grand things. And it's like, it really comes down to like that simple part in scripture where it says like, to whom much is given, much is expected. And I think you can't take care of what you have right now. Why should there be more, you know, like, and I think it's like learning to be better stewards of the people in our lives, of the jobs that we have, like of the favorable and unfavorable conditions that we're in.
0: And I think this book is like, super relevant to our generation, like you said, in terms of struggling with contentment and always wanting to be somewhere else, but also with, I feel like a lot of women, including myself, really struggle with anxiety. And then of course, also depression and like, just like, I feel like it's great that there's a lot of awareness coming around with mental health, but it also feels like that issue is more prevalent. Why do you think so many people nowadays are struggling with anxiety and depression more so than before? I think it's 100% social media, like 100%. Um, And I
1: don't think that's obviously, I wouldn't say that's the only cause of it. But I mean, when I was in college, I remember social media coming to the forefront. At the time there was Facebook, Twitter was just becoming a thing. Instagram, like it was going to be a few more years until it evolved. Yeah. And I remember looking for data and research in 2009 for the effects of social media on us. And it wasn't out there. And it hasn't been out there since, I guess, like the last two or three years is when we've seen the biggest advancements in research. But they say it's like wet paint. Like we still don't know what the actual effects are. But I don't think there's any coincidence between the skyrocketing rates of people experiencing anxiety and depression and how much we are exposed to the lives of other people. Yeah. Like take women, for instance, like I want to say we use social media as a tool to, for our businesses and as a tool to get information or how more love letters uses it, where it's like, because of social media, we're able to propel a movement. We do use it for that, but I would say, like, maybe that's like a 60 40 thing. And we spend a ton of time actually using social media in order to compare ourselves to others or discover other people. And unfortunately, like, a lot of times that discovery then becomes comparison. I think we're so overexposed to the lives of one another that it's hard not to slip into the mindset of well, I'm not as good as her. I don't have as many followers as her. I don't look as pretty as her. She can put on a dress and take those photos. And like, I feel like I can't even like put pants on, you know? And so I think it's like, I am a big encourager of like, we need to be celebrating one another rather than competing Mm. with one another. But I think, I think it's a long journey to get to that place. Like, because we already are so hard on ourselves. And so if you're hard on yourself and you're like, you struggle with confidence, it's, rightfully so that when you get onto social media, it's going to be hard to shut that off. Yeah. And so I think it leads to a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression of feeling like we now all of a sudden can see how far people have come or how popular they may be. Like it's hard not to look at social media as a measuring tool.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's and tough. that's why when we met a couple of years ago, the thing that you were saying that was really Im- that left a big impression on me and you were like, it's so much more important that we are building our character over building a brand, Mm -hmm. and that who we show up in the real world to the people we love and to our families is more important than how poetic our Instagram caption is. Yeah. Because I
1: think we, it's weird to me. Like I talk to my mom about this all the time because my mom doesn't get it. Like my mom is like, no, people don't care this much about social media. And I'm like, no, yeah, they do. Like, because my mom is 65 years old but then my my mom also didn't have a cell phone until she was 60 you know she just didn't care to be bothered with it she thinks Facebook is like a party with all of her friends and if she doesn't like what somebody's saying she can just uninvite them to the party and that's it like and so she's got a really fun view of social media but like um I was explaining to her, like trying to talk to her about just like how it's like, we know it's not real. Like we see what's on Instagram and we know that's not the whole story. But at the same time, we have a really hard time believing that it isn't like, we have a hard time not comparing ourselves to the highlight reel of somebody else. Yeah, And that's just like extremely tough because then like you will be set up for letdown when like you meet that person for coffee and they're like, well, A, if they never even want to meet you for coffee, but B, like, if they're a completely different person than who they seem to be online, like, I'm just, like, I am always praying, like, God, like, just let me be the same person online that I am offline and offline as I am online, because I just, like, I don't want to be, like, known or put, given a platform for being somebody that I'm not, like, it's just... It's very important to me, but I I think that like, it also does require you to like be able to shut off your phone and to actually dig deeper into building character rather than just like building yourself
0: into being a character online. Totally. Yeah. I think something with social media also is that um, people are really excited to start a movement on social media or start a nonprofit, which is cool that everyone wants to make some positive impact, but we forget about the stuff like making sure you're reading your Bible or like making sure you're plugged into a church. So some of the stuff that maybe isn't as sexy, but it really is the foundation of like your relationship with God and um, your faith. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that, what you think about that?
1: Totally. I 100% agree with you. Um, and it's, it's interesting being somebody who like you would say like years ago, like it did start a movement and it has been a catalyst to like a lot of the cool, awesome things that I get to do. Um, but I speak so honestly in saying that like honestly, as cool as that stuff is, like, it really doesn't fill you. Like, it doesn't fill you in the way that, like, preparing a meal for your friends feels you, or having Mm -hmm. a game night with people, or that feeling of, like, coming home from a trip and, like, knowing there's somebody to pick you up from the airport. Um, And so, like, even in my own life, I had to learn like, Hey, that's not the be all end all. Like, it doesn't matter if you start a movement, if like you're empty and dead inside, like, um, and so I I think it's a balance. I think it's like, yes, like it's awesome to like want God to do great things through you. And I think the people that are willing, like God uses them in a variety of different ways. But I think it's like going back to what we said of like, you know, like with the character building, like, dedicate like the most time to like making sure that you are who you say that you are. And that's like the things like reading your Bible or like if health is important to you, then like cleaning up your diet a little bit or like, like just not, I'm not saying go to the gym five days a week, but like make those small steps to like saying, okay, like I'm better today than I was a month ago. And like, continually working on yourself and then inspiring other people to work on themselves too, I think is like more important than like building a movement, like build the foundations before anything else and like leave the other stuff to God. Like God Mm -hmm. is going to like, if, if he has something for you, he is going to make it known. It is going to be loud and clear. Like you're not going to miss the road sign. Like, I think like, I think we get scared that we're going to miss what God has for us. And it's like, no, be wide awake, be alert. Like God's going to make it clear, but like it's going to feel so much better at the end of the day. If like you're able to look in the mirror and say like, and I'm working on myself too and I'm improving and I am becoming more like Christ, which is the point of salvation really is just to look more and more like Jesus. And so
0: I think one thing you're talking makes me think of too, is like how we measure impact or success is like for us, the bigger, the better, but like to have like a kingdom or eternal perspective, like God could use something so small, something nobody sees to have more impact than something that grows to have a ton of followers or is on a big stage. And I think even the way we measure things is just so skewed. Well,
1: and I think too, like, it's like, I think about like, um, one of my girlfriends recently, like her mother passed away. Hmm. And, um, we went to the funeral. They called it a celebration of life. And, um, we saw, I mean, this, this massive church, it's a mega church was packed out with people celebrating this woman. And wow. like this woman didn't have a platform. She didn't have a movement. Uh, it was one of the most powerful things I think I've ever been a part of. And what shook me more than anything was like, how like this woman was just dedicated to people not to a social media following but just like one on one relationships built this impact and all of these people have come together to celebrate that and to mourn the loss of like a truly beautiful person and i think wow. that like really that day like changed me like it like it was a benchmark for me to be like like i want to be the person that shows up at 2am. I want to be the person that like, when there's a meal train, like, I'm not too busy to say like, Hey, like I, I can do two days, you know, like Mm. I want to be generous with my money, like all of these things. And like, it's one of those things where it's like, that's why I think I'm so focused and passionate about discipline is because I want to I want to experience abundance, but I also don't want my work to take over my life so much that I don't see the people that need me. Like, because that's filled me more than anything else. Like is just being able to be there for my people. And several years ago, before I wrote, come matter here, I felt like I was just always waiting to like, get on the next plane and go to the next group of people that I could impress. And then you realize like, wait a minute, like, wow, I probably don't get to see these people ever again. Like I might, and we might, message on Instagram, but like, they're not going to be the people in my meal train. And they're not going to be the people that I call when I'm like depressed and I can't get out of bed. And like, those aren't going to be the people that like show up at the hospital when the baby is born, And so like invest in the people that are really there. And like, what my mom always says, like celebrate people, like make people feel like they are the center of your universe. You will never regret that. You will always feel full because of that. And it matters so much more than anything we put on social media. You know, it just, it
0: just does. Yeah. Before you wrote come matter here and you were like, I think that by this point, you're so successful. You were a Ted talk speaker. You grew this global company. You wrote a book and you, you're so young. Did you have a, like a, Oh shoot, moment, like this doesn't fill me up like I thought it would.
1: Oh, I had so many of them. And I was like slowly dying inside because wow. of it. Um, and I really look back on it because like people people used to make the comments, especially more when I was in my early 20s, of like, oh my gosh, you have everything. Like you can yeah. have everything that you ever wanted. And and I think it was one of those things where I'm like, man, I really should be grateful for this. And I am, but I feel like God gave me like. All of the levels of success that I could have possibly wanted, in order to show me very quickly, it's not up here on this mountaintop. So go tell the others, it's not up. Wow! Because huh. like I'm telling you, the reason that my life crumbled in the way that I illustrate and matter here is because I built my life on a false foundation. And when I got too tired, and when I couldn't hold it together anymore, and I fell into the deepest, darkest pit that I've ever been in, like. I needed people to pull me out of it. I needed people that were really there for me. Like I needed real prayers. I didn't need the people that said like, I'm praying for you. Like, or this is the Instagram comment. Like I needed the people that are like, I'm coming over and I'm just going to hold you. And oh yeah, my life was completely built on false things. And what is really crazy about that is that they were really beautiful things that God had given me, like really beautiful. Like I started a love letter movement and you would think like, that's the most beautiful thing. There could be nothing wrong with that. But like, if that becomes the thing that you place your faith in every single day, like that won't fill you. Like I really have searched this world far and wide. And I so badly believe that like people and God are the only things that like fill us. Like I really think it's the only thing worth giving our lives to and that's why it's like when people talk about faith and people get offended with faith and I get that but like I'm like I can't deviate from telling you this is the only thing I've ever found that makes me feel like I want to get up in the morning like oh. and so yeah like you can have all the success in the world and you can make a lot of money and like you can do all of these things but like you'll always look for something to fill the holes you just will like if you just start to tell yourself every single day I'm here this matters And God, I just need you to show up, hijack the plans and show me the places where I'm most needed today. Like, life will start to change. Like, you will stop competing in a rat race. Like, it will get better. Like, I promise you, like, it will get better.
0: (sighs) My gosh, that's so powerful. I'm, like, soaking all that in right now.
1: (sighs) It's it's like, I just want to, like, hold people. Like, I want everybody to come over and, like, sit on my couch. And I just want people to know, like... I mean, I'm like that's why I'm so passionate about discipline. It's not like because I want to be a boot camp instructor. Or I want to be like boom, boom, boom. That's just my nature. When I'm passionate, I'm like I can't stop talking about it. <laughs> it. But it's just one of those things where it's like discipline is what brought me back to everyday life, and life actually happens in everyday life. It's not about like getting on the airplane and going to the cool new city. Like all of that's really awesome. Like I hope that people get that opportunity to like go to new places and travel but you'll always have to come back to everyday life, even if you're a celebrity, even if you're Kanye West, like there's always going to have to be everyday life. And so the question is really like, am I happy with myself? And if I'm not, what can I do to change that? Do I have people and do I tell them regularly that they matter? And do I show up for them? And like, I don't, I don't know what other questions there are, but like, those seem to be it. And then like with God, like, okay, like, the, the common thread that I've seen is that when people feel disappointed or they feel like life should have like looked differently for them, like the first thing that they let go of is God. And then they, mm. they're always crying and complaining about how like, they don't feel God. Like they don't know where he is. And I, I am number one culprit of this. Like I have a spiritual mentor that like, I'll call her up and I'm crying. I'm like, I just don't feel it. I'm spiritually dry. Well, but, and all she'll say to me is go back to God, go back to God because that's the number one thing you've been avoiding. Like the first thing that we get rid of is like the one-on-one time with God. And like, I would just tell anybody, like, just go back and like, sit with it. Like he only has good for you. Like, and he wants to help in these areas. You just have to be willing to let him in. And it's not a competition. It's a relationship. And like, You don't have to be scared of him. Like, he's not not some scary, ominous being. Like, that's the point of Jesus is that, like, he forged the relationship.
0: That's so powerful. Thanks, Hannah. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about discipline, because that's something that's come up throughout this conversation, and it's also something I've witnessed in your life through social media. You're really disciplined with your health and nutrition. You're also super disciplined when it comes to budgeting and money management. And then, of course, in your scripture reading, um, so many things to talk about there. What makes you such a disciplined person?
1: Um, I always say though, like, cause I, I am somebody who's like very passionate about discipline. I study it a lot. Discipline is not something that like one person is born more disciplined than another person. Discipline is like a muscle and you have mm. to train it. So, it's the same thing when you're like lifting weights in the gym and you build muscle. The more muscle you build, the easier it is to A, burn fat and B, define your muscles because yeah. you've already built the base. The same thing with discipline. And so, I've built discipline in other areas, and that's why it's not as difficult for me to apply that discipline in the area of finance or in the area of diet, because I've been building it up throughout the last few years. But if you met me like five years ago, you definitely wouldn't say, oh, like the number one thing is like, she's disciplined. Like I was disciplined in the areas that I thought it mattered. Mm -hmm. And really I had no balance at all because I was a workaholic and all I did was work. And Mm -hmm. I thought that that would give me value and that would give me worth and that would give me purpose. And when my life crashed because I was working too much, um, I had to reorient and I had to realize like, well, this isn't the be all end all. Like, and I built a disciplined life as a whole, where now everything fits in my life, not just work.
0: Yeah. I love that you talk about that because I feel like discipline is maybe not like the sexiest thing to talk about because it, mm-hmm. it's hard and it's the stuff that nobody sees. So it will never be something yeah. Instagram worthy, or it's not something that you can really share that. It, Cause it's like the little faithfulness and the little things that you do every single day. And, yeah. um, you came out with a, um, like a devotional reading. Is that what you would call mm-hmm. it? Like a devotional reading? Which I love, Hannah. That was the one time I did a social media fast, actually, because, because of oh, your devotional And it just like, and it, it was at a time where I started feeling a little bit dry about, and not as excited about reading my Bible, but it just yeah. like brought new life and made me like really excited about reading the Bible again. So I love that. Can you talk a little bit about that and what made you want to start or create that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, that, That has been on my heart since I think 2013. Um, I wrote a blog post called First Be a Follower. Again, like I said earlier, I've had an obsession with social media for a really long time. And that was like the first time that I'd ever written about social media and how I think it has a real big effect on the way that we follow God and the way that we think about Jesus. And so I knew that I wanted to like, Write something. I also knew that I had tried to do like study guides in the past, like devotionals, and I have always felt like I don't know, like I know that there are so many wonderful ones out there. I didn't identify with a lot of them. I always felt like I was either being spoon fed, or I was like, Where's the meat? or like, Okay, the way that I tried to set up that Bible study that I did was, Okay. That if they went through this entire Bible study and then like something happened where all of a sudden the person was stranded on a desert island and all they were left with was their Bible, you would hopefully, because of that study, know mm. how to dig deeper into the Bible by yourself because of the way that I set up this study. Mm-hmm. I want people to love the word of God for it being mm. the word of God, not somebody else's commentary on it. And oh, so really. I don't know, like I just... I'm very passionate about that. And I'm also very passionate about social media and how it impacts the way we follow Jesus. So I kind of morph those together. It sat on my goal list all of last year and never happened. And it's just crazy how like I was sitting on January 1st of this year. And um, I'd felt like in my prayer time, God had been like, yeah, the devotional, yeah, the devotional, yeah, the devotional, um, Or The study guide, whatever you want to call it. And I felt like on January 1st, God was like, okay, like I've, I have cleared the space for you. Hmm. Cannot see it in your calendar that I have cleared the space for you to do this. Like, don't waste this time. And it's just crazy how like normally those winter months would be full of speaking engagements and they weren't, they would normally be full of work and they weren't. And I could have either chosen to see that as God's done working and God doesn't want to use me anymore. And like, it's time to go find a job though. Like I was thankfully, like I had the financial backing from the year before, but instead of that, I chose to say, okay, like he knows that if I was traveling, that if I was going from place to place to place, I wouldn't dig in and do this. And yeah. I just started digging in and I would study for, I think, about five or six hours a day to create wow. that study. Um it was one of the sweetest times that I've had with God. Um, and it's crazy how when it was done, everything came back to the calendar. It's hmm. just so weird that I was given this rare, like, two and a half month space to create this thing. And I always created it under the pretense that this is going to be free because I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but that also, like, I just wanted to break all the rules. Like, I, I wanted it to be like, hey, it's a 15 session study, meaning yeah. it might take you three days to get through one of those sessions. And that's okay, because the point isn't to finish an X amount of days. Like, the point is that, like, you'd come out of it closer to Jesus. Yeah. And so I've, I've loved seeing people's like responses to it. I've loved getting the emails from people being like, I didn't even think the Bible was relevant until mm. I started doing this. Like, so I'm hoping that like my passion for the word of God just showed through that study. I don't totally. even know if that's the question that you asked me. No, this is great. It's, it, does it still available? Can people yep. still find mm-hmm. it? Is it yeah, on yourfrestor.com? Yep, go to hannahbrunter and it is on the top sidebar. Okay, it's the first thing that you'll see when you go on the new website.
0: What does this um, season look like for you now? So you just finished Come Matter Here. Are you writing another book, or what is this next season?
1: Yeah, we'll start. Um, we'll start writing book three probably in like the next month or so. Um, but Whoa. I don't. If you know what it should be about, let me know because I <laughs>
0: maybe it'll be about
1: discipline and we'll sell two copies. Um, <laughs>
0: Wait, how does that work? So first you think about a topic and then how long do you write for?
1: Um it depends. So like we sold book 2 and 3. So we sold book 2 knowing it would become matter here and then 3 was just kind of like we trust that it's going to be a great topic. And so I'm really open to like people's suggestions. Like, yeah. I really want to have brainstorming sessions with my publisher, and then they will come back and probably give me like a deadline of like, "Hey, could you do this in the next six months?" Or like, "Hey, do you want a year to do this?" You know. And knowing me, I'll be like, oh, "I'll do it in a month," you know. And I'll don't worry, I won't. I will. Take <laughs> <six> <laughs> Wait, how long did
0: later. you take to write Matter Here*?
1: Um, that one was about four
0: months. Wow. And is it, th- is it like three months of straight writing and then you send it and revise or how does that work?
1: I tend to like, my process tends to be like, I'm writing and editing at the same time. And like, when it's done, it's done. And I never want to look at it again. <laughs> so the first book that I wrote, I was like super, like, I was like writing for hours at a time. Like I was so, I wanted this to be the perfect and then it comes back and there's like slashes through all the pages and you realize you're like "Mm, the point of this is not to make it perfect the point is like to give it your best shot then give it to an editor that knows infinitely more than you and they're going to come back and they're going to give you suggestions so I took the pressure off of myself for book two and it was a much more enjoyable experience I will say (laughs) yeah
0: how long is the editing process then or do you give them like chapter by chapter or is it the whole thing
1: Um, The editing process, it's it's different for every writer. Like mine was, um, I had from January until May 31st to write the book, but I don't think I started until like, I'll say like middle of February. I like kind of just like took some time and just really just like waited and prepared to get into it. Um, And after that, I would say we probably went back and forth with the edits for about like, three or four months. Um, but there was minimal edits, which is awesome. Like, because I think I learned so much from writing the first book that I applied it to the second book. Um, I like love this process because I'm like, Oh, how can I become better? How can I become a better writer? And I, I just trust that editors know what makes for a good book. And so I leaned into that, you know, um, I would tell any first time writer that it's like, it's okay. If like a lot of your words get slashed off the page, like, Trust that the person that's leading you and guiding you like knows more than you do. Always be teachable, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. And do you do you write like five hours a day, six hours a day, just straight?
1: Um, when I'm in like the book writing process, I'm usually like up starting to write at 5 a.m. and I'll be done by like nine or ten in the morning. And then I won't I won't look at it again until the next day.
0: Wow, that's hilarious.
1: like so I think every person is different. For me, yeah. I would come in and I would say, okay. Today, I want to knock out a chapter on community. You know, I would start with an hour of prayer and study, and then I would watch as God would always segue it into writing. And some days I would knock out the chapter in an hour and a half. Some days I would get half of it and I would know where the other half was going. It looked different every day. But the thing that was the same every single day that I sat down to write was like my prayers of like, God, I cannot do this apart from you. Like me and my own strength, I can't make this happen. And so I trust that you're going to show up. And then every day without fail, words came.
0: Wow. And you also blog and have your Monday, your Monday email. So do you ever like, like not want to write those? Cause you want to use those for the book?
1: Um, sometimes, but see, like in this, I'm like, I don't even know what the book's about. Like oh, yeah. I, I have become somebody who, um, going back to discipline, um, a creative that can create on command. Um, so like I no longer wait to be inspired. I just sit down and I say, today's the day to create. And then I bang it out, you know, um, and so I just always trust that there's more, like there, there's going to be more content or yeah. I can go back if I loved that Monday morning email and I think it's applicable to the next book, I'm going to take it back, but I'm going to rewrite the entire thing. So it will never look the same. So there was definitely some things in Matter here that had previously looked like blog posts. But I made sure to rewrite every single one of them so that it was fresh.
0: Huh. That's but, fascinating. So my friend who I used to work with is starting to pursue writing and she's taking all these writing classes and stuff. And she said that her teacher was telling her like this idea of inspiration coming to you and waiting for inspiration is really just like been commodity. It's like such a Western way to think about mm-hmm, it. And mm-hmm. it's really just discipline, just like writing a little bit every yeah. single day. And then the every single come, day. Being That's in so practice. fascinating. I'm like a huge advocate for
1: it. I'm like, I don't think writer's block is real. I just don't. Like, I think that any day that you sit down to write, you can produce something, but it is setting the environment and it is coming back to it over and over and over again. And that's why like I can write blog posts, Monday morning emails, book content, and a variety of other things. Sometimes my Instagram's like, looks like a blog post, you know? Oh yeah. 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 Because, because I have gotten myself into the mode of, okay, there's no drama attached to this. Like there's no, I need to be inspired by the person on the street. Like my mind, I think is always ready to receive content, but I keep it like in a notebook where like, I always, am ready to just sit down and start with something. And then it just flows from there.
0: Do you ever feel paralyzed? Like I'm not ready to press submit or press send because it's not good enough or it's not perfect.
1: Um, if I, if I feel that way, I just tend to shelf it. Like I tend to say, okay, I'll come back to it. Like I definitely wrote a Monday morning email the other day. Like I wrote, I think I wrote like three in a two hour sitting. And one of them, I just had to like mark and like mark for myself to say like revisit this next month because it wasn't ready. And it was like my feelings hadn't been fully hashed out on that. I never personally would put something out there on the internet that I wasn't sure that I had fully dealt with and Mm -hmm. like, didn't really want to feel that exposed. I always tell people like, especially writers, like deal with your stuff, like come through your stuff and then go back and write about it because like your own personal experiences, like if, if they just become fodder for somebody else before, before you've dealt with it and you've learned the lessons from it, you know, like, I think like Another person I really love is like, I don't know if you ever listened to like Jenna Kutcher. On, yeah, yeah.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: So she actually just did a um, episode on producing batch content for Instagram. And I loved this question that she asked about like, okay, like you have to ask yourself the question of like, why am I posting this? Like, why am I posting this? Am I posting this to serve somebody else? Or am I just posting this because of ego? Mm-hmm. And I know, I totally know the feelings of posting something for ego. Because you're like, well, I did this really impressive thing, so I guess I should show everybody. And that's ego right there. But like, if I approach everything that I write as how can I better serve somebody? Like, what is the point in this piece to serving somebody else? Like, you can never go wrong. But I think that, like, don't write before you're ready to write about it. Like, the hard things, like, let them be hard things, let them be personal, let them be raw journal entries. And like, when you've learned the lesson, like then go ahead and and write you know and like i also tell people like have somebody that reads it and somebody that you'll actually listen to that if they give you the honest feedback of like mm, that's not for the internet or like oh that's really going to hurt that person's feelings like trust them enough to listen to them um because i don't know like i'm just like really passionate about like not taylor swifting people like being really oh careful. just be careful with other people's stories like because we're all worthy of a redemption story. And yeah. we can take that from one another if we're not careful.
0: Do you follow, um, Annie Downs? I do. Yes. Okay. She's also a writer and speaker. And she was saying that when she writes about other people in her stories, she has them read it and asks, like, do you think that was true for you too? Like, was this the experience you mm-hmm. saw? Cause this is from my perspective and I totally. want to make sure you feel comfortable and respect that too. 100%. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This was so much fun. My last question for you, and I know you'll love this one because you love scripture, is what is your honeycomb? So honeycomb is either a verse or a truth that is speaking to you in this season, or it could be like your life verse, something like that.
1: I know I was thinking on this and I was trying to be like, okay, like what is my honeycomb right now? Um, I think that like I don't know that it would be one specific scripture so much as it's like a concept that I'm just continually finding throughout the Bible and like trying to live in that. It's just like how much the word of God is like continually preaching to, to pray and to offer Thanksgiving that like Mm. above all things, like to praise God. And I think me being wired as somebody who does struggle with depression, like it's harder for me to stop and like praise God. And so I'm trying to just get better at like writing down the things I'm saying thank you for and like writing down my prayers so that I can remember to go back and read them and like build my faith back up. And so yeah, just that idea of like rejoicing in what God has already done, because we're just so quick to forget about it, like in a new day.
0: Yeah, that's so good. And yeah. then where can people find you on Instagram or if they want to join your Monday letters? Can they do that? Can they still join? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay. It's all on um, um My blog is there, but then also like all of like my coaching, the Monday morning email is on like every sidebar page. And then like the same thing with social media. It's all just Hannah